Hello, and welcome to the course. I'm your host today, Drew Doblin, and I'm speaking with Professor Waugh. Professor Waugh teaches in the University of Chicago's Department of Physics and the Enrico Fermi Institute. He was one of three University of Chicago professors named as a Fellow of the American Physical Society in October of 2021 for his notable contributions to the fields of quantum and particle physics. He's here to talk to us about his career path and how he became a University of Chicago professor. Welcome, Professor Waugh. Could you tell me how you got to the University of Chicago? What led you to the school? It's a very interesting question, and, uh, and I think my experience on this is unique. So when I uh, finished my PhD work at uh, Yale University, I wanted to continue in research. So at the time, it turns out this is in early 1980s. The research lab at Europe called CERN, the European nuclear, you know, uh, accelerator complex thing was very fashionable. Many good things were going on. So, and I wanted to go there to continue my research. So I, you know, at the time I asked my advisor in graduate school, uh, what, what does he think? And he actually gave me a, an advice, which I never forget. He told me at the time, no, well, you should stay in US. Don't go to Europe. In fact, go to University of Chicago. <laughs> I was a little bit surprised by that answer. But then, then I looked into uh, U of Chicago, you know, physics department and all that. And here I am. So that's the, how we get started. Do you remember what the reason was that was given of, of why you should stay? Yeah, I, I think it turns out my advisor also graduated, got his PhD from University of Chicago. And he was a student of Enrico Fermi. And I don't know if you, you guys all know that uh, Fermi was the person who basically invented the atomic bomb and, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so my advisor was the last student of Fermi. And I think in my advisor's mind, I'm, I'm just guessing now, U of Chicago is a good fit. It's one of the great places to study particle physics uh, at the time. So I think that was the reason. Do you remember back in, in school, maybe around high school, did you start having an interest in physics back then? Or when did this start for you? I think my love for physics came from, let me see, it is a second year in junior high. And it was completely motivated and initiated by my physics teacher uh, at the time. And because, you know, I was just like everybody else and was scared to scare about physics all the time. And the year, one year before I have this particular teacher was very difficult. You know, I could not understand anything. Everything seems to be a mess. And so in the second year of junior high, when I have this new teacher and he made it physics so much easier and fun from the most difficult subject to become the easiest subject. And then I, I was so shocked. And then I start to really like the subject, and then it sort of slowly took off from there. Do you think you took any specific sort of lessons from him in the way that you became a teacher yourself? Yes. It turns out, you know, because of his, uh, this person's ability to present physics, you know, high school physics, what that matter, in a way that is very logical, very clear, very understandable. It's not some, you know, difficult subject at all. And that, that matters a lot because he somehow, he communicated to us that, you know, all these difficult problems are actually very simple. And that, that really caught my eyes and in mind. And for that matter, actually, I have to say in my, in my junior high school class of that year, several of us in that class 
became professional physicist later on in life. And I think he has something to do with this teacher. It's obvious to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. It really is. And so, I mean, did that spark an idea of you becoming a teacher? Like what, what ideas did you have about what you wanted to do within physics at the time? Yeah, I, I think at the time, uh, physics, I, I had, I did not think about teaching at the time. Most, most of them I thought I just want to know more about physics in general, because that's the, to explain how things work and all that. The teaching, the interest in teaching came much later after I become assistant professor in University of Chicago, because at the time I need to teach a big college class and that really motivated me. You know, the teaching is such an important part, you know, for me to, to move forward. What do you remember about some of those earliest experiences being a teacher? I do remember when I, the, the first big class I taught about hundred students and they are science, a major, not necessarily physics, for example, a pre-medical uh, major or chemistry or engineering or something like that. And of course I was young, you know, I was at the time, you know, young compared to now <laughs> and I really want to teach well. And so at the time, I remember, I keep on thinking, I want to transfer my knowledge. I was so focused on what I want them to know. And that was not even close to good enough. Okay. And that was a problem. So I learned and slowly through the years, I, I, I think the most important part of teaching is nothing to do with the material. It's the ability to communicate with the class and find out why they understand or why they don't understand and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, it's amusing. You know, it, it took me many, several years to uh, realize what happened. To be a reasonable teacher about that. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it, it can't just be a one-sided thing. You have to, to listen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And find out the reason why people, you know, why students do not understand what I just said. Is that the fact they don't understand? Or is it the logic was wrong? Or, you know, we are biased by our own experience and stuff like that. Yes. What have you found that helps encourage students to communicate that? Because I, I have to assume that a lot of students wouldn't openly talk about, you know, why they're confused, right? So is it about making them comfortable? Like, what have you found is effective towards making that happen? I think from uh, my side, you know, of course, people have their own, you know, personality, right? If an introvert, if one is an introvert, it's very difficult to just, you know, for them to just openly talk about things. And I mean, because it's, some of this is our uh, personality. However, I do find something I can do to help to improve the situation. And that is to make the environment less competitive, less threatening in the class. And for example, you know, it's uh, especially for a larger size class. No, nobody wants to ask any question, right? Because part of the part of it is peer pressure. So if I stick up my hand to ask a question, maybe I'm the only one who could not understand what the professor has said. And that really not a good motivation to, to ask any question. And, and, and that is a huge problem. And so the question is then, how do I provide an environment or the atmosphere so that to relax this kind of thing so that students could feel freely to ask anything without that peer pressure? And that is not an easy thing to do. What is sort of a typical day like for you just as a professor? You're doing research and also teaching, I understand. Uh, yes. Uh, so, you know, at the University of Chicago, we teach about uh, two classes per year and we run in a quarter system. So I, I would say my teaching load is about two, two courses per academic, you know, per whole academic year. 
It's actually, a, comparatively speaking, within the U.S. university system, it's a very light blow. So my time typically is uh, divvy up between the teaching part, which is, you know, some small percentage of my time. And most of the time is on research, you know, because, you know, the experiment, well, I'm experimentalist. So, and it's all the detail, the, the know-how, the planning, and then, of course, the physics problem. Yeah, it's always hanging over our head. You know, what is it that we want to measure? Why is it so important? And is there any other way to do it better? Stuff like that, yes. What has been the most challenging part of being a professor for you? I, I think, you know, it, I, I, I'm going to say some, maybe uh, I, I'm, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure, though. I think the, the physics issue, you know, the, the thing that we want to pursue, the knowledge, is always there. You know, we don't know what we don't know. But so, so that part, you know, when we, when, when I said research in physics, you know, the, the, it's a very personal journey. You know, I, I just want to know when we reach the edge of the knowledge, you know, maybe there's something new I can do more. So that goes without saying. So we spend some time, amount of time on that. But I think the, the most challenging part of my work is it, how to organize, how to operate a group because I cannot do the experiment myself. It's, you know, it's mildly complicated to say the least. And so uh, within the research group, you know, we have student, postdoc, various uh, level. And I think in order to do a, a job, a good job on, on this kind of uh, research, I think communication and how to organize a group so that everybody can perform at their maximum. I find that part is one of the most challenging part of doing research. It's nothing to do with the subject itself but to do with the how we organize ourselves and how do we, you know, the, the, the non-science part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there advice that you would give to someone who's entering into your field right now? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, besides the usual, you know, work hard and stay focused. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say, you know, research and uh, at, the, at the research level to search for the unknown and gain new knowledge is sort of like religion, you know, and we do it because we just want to do it because we believe in it. We believe in the philosophy. We believe it's going to do some good or, or not. It does not matter. Yeah. So we, we do not need to, uh, so the advice is uh, just stay focused and pursue um, what we think is the most important, you know, problem in physics and go for it. And, and on the way there, you know, it will have many obstacles, just like anything else. But, uh, I think the, uh, difficult, the, I believe the most difficult part is to stay on course. And yeah, it's to stay on course. <laughs> You've been at the University of Chicago for a long time. What has kept you there? What has stopped you from going somewhere else? It turns out, I would say the University of Chicago, especially the physics department, has a great atmosphere. And, uh, and I think it's dated from the, you know, the, uh, the, the history of the department and also all the uh, wonderful physicists that pass through, you know, our department. And in particularly, the university has provided very good infrastructure to do research because, you know, to do important experimental work, it is more than just a physicist sit down and, and think about what to do or, but the support. In the support, for example, you know, in this experimental work, we need a lot of engineering help. We need a lot of computing help. And in fact, on, on things that we want to do, and it is not clear what is the right thing to do. And the university actually helped a lot on how to enable the physicists 
you know, to do their research. And I think that is unique and quite, quite intense at this university. And I think that really keep me, uh, here, for, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do not think about going anywhere else unless, you know, unless that requirement is satisfied. As far as I know, it's not so many places that have, that has such an infrastructure support. Are there specific goals that you have and uh, aspirations that you have for the rest of your time that you'll have there? Oh, I mean, I, I believe in the physicist career. I think all of us want to understand how, how the world operates better than before. But it turns out, obviously, you know, it's not an easy task. And in fact, it's a, a lot of luck. So in, in my wishful thinking, I wish we can find something important, uh, something significant and help to understand physics in the current ongoing experiment, which likely to be uh, the last experiment I, I will perform. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> you know, that's a, I, I, I don't know how to say this. That's the wishful thinking part. Yeah. The way you've phrased it is that you want to know more than we know before, because obviously we're not going to know everything uh, in in our lifetimes, right? Is it difficult to become satisfied with what you've learned? Have you figured out a way to be satisfied? No, no. The, I, I, um, so I, I can get into uh, may, maybe the non-technical part of uh, what, what I mean. In physics right now, in the fundamental physics level, we have two major, well, there are many, but really two major problems stands out. And one is the, they call the, the what, what is dark matter? And the other one is, you know, what, what is beyond the physics we know? We call that the standard model. And so the question is, is there non-standard model, uh, things behind what we know? And, and so these two particular direction, you know, our, our whole, Professional field physicists are all pursuing in different way. I, I wish, you know, I hope we could find some solution. We will find the evidence soon. But of course, you know, as, as, as you mentioned, it's not up to us. It's up to the, the truth. And, uh, and it is a long road. It, it'll be good if we find out the solution to, to, uh, to these questions and which is, uh, which is important. I think, you know, for, for, for humanity reason. <laughs> I really, and I really mean it. We, we have to know. Thank you, Professor Wah, for your time today and course takers. If you enjoyed listening to today's interview, please check out the other ones. You can find out more about the University of Chicago through uchicago.edu or the university's campus in Hong Kong through uchicago.hk.